Hello, good morning. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew 24. And Jesus came out from the temple and was going away when his disciples came up to point out the temple buildings to him. And he answered and said to them, Do you not see all these things? Truly I say to you, not one stone here shall be left upon another which will not be torn down. As he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, See to it, no one misleads you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will mislead many. And you will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened, for those things must take place, but that is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. But all these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. Then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you, and you will be hated by all nations on account of my name. And at that time many will fall away and will deliver up one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and will mislead many. And because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end... He shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world for a witness to all the nations, and then the end shall come. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to get things that are out on that are in his house. And let him who is in the field not turn back to get his cloak. But woe to those who are with child and those who nurse babes in those days. But pray that your flight may not be in the winter or on a Sabbath. For then there should be a great tribulation such as not occurred since the beginning of the world until now or ever shall. And unless those days had been cut short, no life would have been saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days shall be cut short. Then if anyone says to you, Behold, he is, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe him. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. Behold, I have told you in advance. If therefore they say to you, Behold, he is in the wilderness, do not go forth. Or behold, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe him. For just as a lightning comes from the east and flashes even to the west, so shall the Son of Man uh, be. Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather." But immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be dark and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from the sky and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of the sky to the other. Now learn Uh, The parable from the fig tree, when its branches already become tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. Even so, you too, when you see all these things, recognize that he is near, right at the door. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word shall not pass away. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. For as in those days uh, which were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, they were marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand until the flood came and took them away, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Then there shall be two men in the field, 
One will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken the, uh, and one will be left. Therefore, be on the alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. But be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have been on the alert and would not have allowed his house to be broken into. For this reason, you too, uh, you be ready too. For the Son of Man is coming an hour when you do not think he will. And who then is the faithful and sensible slave whom his master put in charge of his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that slave whom his master finds so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But if that evil slave says in his heart, My master is not coming for a long time, and shall begin to beat his fellow slaves and eat and drink with drunkards, the master of that slave will come on a day when he does not expect him, in an hour which he does not know, and shall cut him in pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites, weeping there should be there, uh, shall be there, and gnashing of teeth." Amen. Um, so, if you remember uh, the passage before, there was this heated exchange uh, between the Pharisees, the scribes, and with Jesus. And um, they're trying to distract Jesus about talking about the temple. Uh, you can imagine the temple, and, and the people took such great pride in this really ornate building uh, uh, that was built. Um, but he says not even, you know, uh, this temple and the, uh, you know, exterior of it and all these things. Uh, and uh, he says that he prophesies and he says not one stone will be left upon another. You can imagine as a Pharisee, uh, as a Jewish person, hearing Jesus' words, how shocking that would be. I mean, you know, you're looking at this, this glimmering, you know, why, you know, it's made out of this Jerusalem stone uh, I mean, this beautiful, beautiful building. And when he's, you know, remember, this is a heated discussion that's going on. And Jesus concludes this, this whole, basically, talk with them. And he says, the thing that you take pride in, the, the thing that, that you're most proud of, he says, not one stone will be left upon another. And this literally happened. If you and if if you've come to Israel with us, you know that you know right outside of the wall, you you can go up and then there's the stairs you know that lead up and and those those stairs are actually untouched. And so if you if you if you want to know like did Jesus step on these stones? Jesus stepped on those stones that are there. It's probably the only thing in Jerusalem that we can be sure of that you know it's kind of untouched. It's still there you know leading to one of the gates. And so. Um, what what end up happening is in these massive stones, and some stones are still there on the ground. There's some archaeological dig that's underneath. Uh, but what the Romans did is when they sacked the temple, uh, there was gold that was inlaid in between the stones. And so they literally took each stone and left it not upon another because they had to take the gold out. And so his prophecy, I mean, literally comes true. And so um, uh, then he moves you know, across the Kidron Valley, and he goes up to the Mount of Olives, and this becomes the longest discourse uh, that Jesus would give uh, um, uh, uh, toward about the end times. And this is what's typically called the Olivet Discourse. In other words, the teachings on the Mount of Olives, and it deals with the end times. So the disciples, they ask two questions, very important questions. They, you know, as he's talking about the end of the world, he says, when will these things happen? And 
what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? So when is it going to happen, right? And what is going to happen, right? What are these signs uh, that come on on board? So he'll answer the first question from verse 4 all the way to verse 28, and then he'll answer the next question from verse 29 to 44. So first he says, what you need to know is false Christ will come. Now, listen, I, I mean, you know this already, okay? But just in case there's any doubt, if anyone ever says that he is the Christ or he is the Messiah, no, not true. It's not going to happen that way. And what Jesus is saying is that when he comes, it's not going to be a mystery. When he comes, and people will not have to wonder, oh, is that the Christ? When he comes, everyone's going to know that is the Christ, There's going to be things that happen in the world, things that happen in nature, that it's going to be indisputable what happens. And so when you hear men, and and there's been so many different men, there's, I mean, there's people alive right now that claim they're the Christ. Like, right, uh, I mean, probably one of the more more prominent ones right now is uh, uh, Reverend Moon, you know, of the Moonies, of the the, uh, Unitarian Church. And so he just just says it, and he says, no, it's not, because they'll never, when, when, uh, uh, of dealing with the, the Christ, the second coming, we will know. Everyone will just know. Okay, so if you hear of these things, just you know, don't, don't, don't even pay attention to that. And he says, first, what you're going to hear, you're going to hear wars. You're going to hear rumors of wars. You know, nation, nation, all these things, famines. This, this is, this is. Uh, he says, it's not the thing, but it's the birth pangs. It's what comes before. Now that has been happening since the beginning of time. Um, uh, he says there, persecution will be a reality. You will basically be hated because of him. And brothers and sisters, this has happened all through history. Remember, uh, you can imagine the, the people hearing this, uh, you know, they're, they're, probably, they're probably thinking, well, man, you know, there's rumors of wars. Persecution is, is literally happening, right? That's one of Matthew's purposes of writing this, this uh, 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 particular gospel. And in the midst of all these things, you can imagine, you know, they must have thought, oh, my goodness, this is going to happen, like, right now, right? I mean, everything that, that we're going through is happening right now. But this is verse 14. This is, this is key for us, okay? He says, and this gospel of the kingdom should be preached in the whole world for a witness to all the nations, and then the end shall come. This, this is, this is what, what we simply call a missiological eschatology. Um, in other words, eschatology meaning the study of the last days, and missiological really dealing with more of a, a mission aspect. And so uh, this is Matthew, it's also uh, Mark uh, says very similar things. And, and you could have all different kind of eschatologies, right? You can have all different kinds of ideas of what the end times is going to look like. These are the events of the end times. I want to suggest to you probably that the best barometer of understanding the end times is actually looking at gospel penetration or the, the livelihood of missions. The word here where he says all the nations, he's not talking about city-states. He's not going to talk about like uh, uh, military empires or political empires. The word in Greek is the word ethne. And so he's talking about basically minorities, ethnic groups. And so, so it's not like you know, the, uh, the gospel is preached to you know, China 
you know, but it's meaning the gospel is preached to the Uyghurs, you know, to the Han, you know, and in all different uh, uh, different ethnic groups that are laid out in these countries. And and thankfully, you know, probably about fifty years, some years ago, uh, the the uh, the missions community began to understand this, and they started formulating strategies to 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 create a Bible in each language. Right and to and to create a work that will minister to each every ethnic group, and I want you to know we're getting close to the end of that, right? I mean, it's 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 like even as I speak, it is happening right now, and so that should be the barometer that we use. Uh, and he says, you know, all these these things going to take place, but this gospel, this is like like what like in in other words, like why you can ask God saying, why am I waiting? You know, like, like what's holding me back? Jesus is thinking, what's holding me back? You know what's holding back is people's lives. This gospel will be preached. You know, it, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be accepted, okay? But the gospel will be preached, will be shared. People will have an opportunity to trust Jesus Christ. And when that happens and when, you know, the, every ethnic group, there's a witness of the gospel and then... The end will come. So ask the question, what are you waiting for, Lord? That's what he's waiting for. It's not, it's not like these signs need to take place or these things need to be checked off. No, it's simply this. It's people's souls. And then you have to ask the question, what are, why are we here? You know, why are we here on this planet? Why are we living here right now? It's so that we can take this gospel to every ethnic group, to every people, every person on this planet, and then the end will come. This is, again, a missiological eschatology. And then from 15 to 25, uh, Jesus prophesies about AD 70. Well, I, I, should, say, uh, more, I, I should say this more particularly, AD 68, uh, uh, what's typically called AD 70, what da- Daniel prophesied, and he called the abomination of desolation. Remember, Daniel saw this, you know, this thing, this vision, and he was so struck by it that he went and fasted for 21 days to get it, to get a an answer, a revelation. And so, the abomination of desolation is the sacking of of the temple. It's the, this, the really the, the the destruction of Jerusalem and. Um, the event that led to basically the abandoning of the temple, and so I, I give you, I give you a really quick history lesson of what happened. Um, around this time, I should say, let me tell you before in AD sixty eight, zealots, zealots were Jews that wanted to overthrow uh, the Roman Empire. So uh, Judas uh, was a zealot. Simon, you know, some of the disciples were zealots. And so then uh, it, became, it became a powerful political party uh, a bit later on. And what happened is zealots took a clown, literally took a clown and anointed this clown as the high priest. That was the beginning of it. You know, they, they made a mockery, basically, of Judaism. They, they, they weren't, they weren't uh, religious. They weren't religious zealots. They were political. They just wanted power. And so this happens, and then in AD 70, Antichus IV, uh, who was in charge during that time, he outlawed Jewish practice. And what he did is, and this is the abomination of desolation, he set up, you know, on the table of the altar, you know, where the, the burning incense, on the table of the altar, he set up a statue of Zeus. 
And that was the end. And so people abandoned uh, the temple uh, during that time. And, um, and so Jesus tells them, right, when this happens, flee, leave, right? I mean, leave right away. Don't go into your home because destruction is going to happen. You know, and that also uh, brought about a, a, um, a siege on Jerusalem. They surrounded. Remember I told you a few days, you know, uh, days ago that Josephus uh, wrote about this and, and he wrote about cannibalism and all kinds of things that happened. I mean, it's really horrible. And he t- tells them to flee. Interestingly enough, Eusebius, uh, the historian, he says that, that some Christians remember Jesus' words, and when the clown was set up, you know, when the statue was erected, they, they, fl- they fled, and they started a little Christian community in Pella. And, so, and, and actually, a couple different cities where pe- they, they remember what Jesus said, and they did exactly what he asked to do, and they left, and they were, they were saved uh, during this time. And so, I mean, if you're really interested in understanding this, there's a great book by Josephus, and he calls it The Jewish Wars. And you can get a lot of, of, of like, color commentary uh, through this. And this was the most devastating event in their history until we hit the Holocaust uh, that comes a bit later on. And then again, what does Jesus do? He ends it, and he warns them about false Christs. He warns them, right? And like I said, when he comes, it won't be a secret, right? There'll be no question. It'll be such a cataclysmic event. You won't, people won't realize, oh, is that the Christ? No, you'll know. Everyone will know that is the Christ. So now, okay, so 29, he goes to their second question, right? You know, what, 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 um, what will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age? And he tells them, he starts at 29, and the imagery, okay, the imagery is no longer earthly. It's no longer wars, rumors of wars, all these things. Now the imagery is apocalyptic. This is end time stuff. And he's he's basically quoting, if you look at this, he's quoting Isaiah 13.10 and Isaiah 34.4. And he answers this question in four parts. I'll just do this real quick with you. He says, the first part, he says, what will be the signs? He says, when he comes back, everyone will know. Signs will appear in the sky. Number two, no one knows the day or the hour. He says, even he doesn't know. Just like in the days of Noah, it will happen suddenly. Three, his return is something that you cannot run away from. Before the the birth pangs, they could run away. Now, they cannot run away from this. And the fourth thing, he says, be ready and keep watch. Given that no one knows when and it cannot be evaded, the best thing to do is be ready. Okay? No one's going to know when, right? Even Jesus doesn't know. You can't run away from it. So he's telling the disciples, so what do you need to do? You need to be ready. Don't go live in the mountains in some cave, right? Don't, don't run off and forsake the world, right? That's what the monks did, you know? Uh, and that, that was a huge mistake. It led to the dark ages. And he says, don't, don't do that. Be faithful. He says it in verse 13, the one who endures the end, he shall be saved. And so the whole idea of just being faithful. So 
he he gives this idea and then he he wants this this uh, idea of being faithful of being ready he wants it to really sink in and, and in essence he wants them to move from head knowledge to heart knowledge so what does Jesus do he graciously tells a parable and the parable he talks about the slaves of the master uh, that needs to be prepared for the time of his, of his return, which is unknown and unknowable. Now, since those were his orders, right, you know, take care of, you know, the servants, you know, all these things. Since those were his orders, the best way to prepare was to be found in faithful obedience when he shows up. So we talk about, well, how can I be ready? Right? What does it mean to be ready for the end times? Jesus tells us very clearly, you know how you be ready? You be faithful. You do what you're supposed to do. Don't hole out somewhere. You know, you know what I mean? Don't, don't like, like change your whole life and, and uh, you know, move up to the mountains or anything like that. If you are a banker, how you be faithful as a banker. If you're a pastor, you be faithful as a pastor and preach the gospel. You know, you're, if, you're, if you're a housewife, you be faithful as a housewife and you take care of your kids. Uh, like like, like when, when, when we, people talk about the end times, you know, they, they go into these drastic measures of all these things and Jesus, he just tells them so plainly, Right, I'll, I'll say it again. Right, so in this in this parable, their task was to feed and care for the members of this household when he was away. Those were his orders, right? And so the best way to prepare and be ready is to be found in faithful obedience when he shows up. Be faithful to what God has called you to do. That's how you get ready for the end times. I know it sounds like, no, no, peace out, this should be something more drastic than that. No. He says, this is the parable that he, sh- he shares with them. He says, you be faithful. Whatever God asks you to do, you be faithful to that. That's how you are ready for his return. And when the master comes, this is right, when the master comes, and he finds you being faithful, guess what? There's a reward that happens there. There's a reward just because you're faithful. Nothing drastic. You, you know what I mean? Like you don't have to take your kids out of school. and Because, uh, listen, we went through that a little bit. I, I mean, you guys didn't because you're too young. But some of us went through that. Uh, oh, you might be actually too young. But we had this thing called Y2K. Do you remember Y2K? And the year 2000 was coming up, and they thought of this global, and there, there were Bible teachers, and the most famous one was uh, about three miles away from our university. I was a campus pastor at that time. And three miles away from our university, my secretary, my secretary was listening to this guy every single day, and she wanted to move to the mountains. She was already storing up water and storing up canned goods. I mean, they, they, you know, like the Christian community, they went all in on this thing because they thought this is going to be over, right? Electricity is going to be out and, you know, chaos, the banking system, all these type of, type of things are going to happen. 
And so, um, uh, and so she, I mean, she wanted to move to the mountains. I had to convince her not to do that, you know. And uh, and I said, you know, like, let's let's not go crazy. But but there, there's this there's this whole idea, and it says, no, don't do that. That's what Jesus said. Don't do that, right? The best way to prepare is to be found in faithful obedience when He shows up. When that happens, they will be rewarded. And and I remember uh, uh, during this time that you know this 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 guy was and there there were a bunch of Bible teachers at the time that were just like you know that this is the end you know all these things and just in my spirit I just didn't feel it was right you know and I and I just I just went off you know living normally and um, I I remember uh, um, I was listening to another pastor or this, this radio host guy you know Christian radio host and and he. He in, invited this pastor, right? So this was like, uh, um, you know, what, 19, December 31st, 1999. He invited this pastor to come on his show on January 1, right? Which I thought was very, very clever, right? He says, Pastor, I would like to invite you to come to my show on January 1, you know? And his old idea is that you're going to have to take account for all this fear-mongering that you laid out before all the people here, you know, and and when I heard that, I don't know, it just it just it felt good to my soul. <laughs> you know, I just felt like okay, this guy's right thinking. You know, and uh, obviously he never came on the show, um, uh, and I don't think he ever took back the, their words. You know, and uh, it, it's it's really quite sad when this happens. It's almost like I don't, I don't want to keep talking about this, but it's almost like you know when people prophesied that Trump would win the elections, you know, and he lost. And then you would have think people would have said, my bad, <laughs> you know, sorry, I messed this one up. And people didn't do that. They doubled down, you know. And it was just like, oh, my gosh. Like, where's, where's the humility in the prophetic community, you know. And uh, uh, it, was, it was just kind of so sad. Uh, but, but this happens. And so, so if you, you're ready by faithful obedience, there'll be a reward. The other side, the slave who disobeys the orders, abuses the members of the household, thinking the master's return is not imminent, he is considered unprepared, and his penalty will be severe. So there's a choice that's laid up. So let's close our eyes. I know, when we get to the end times, uh, I, and I'll be, I'll be honest with you, um, and this is my weakness, but maybe... Maybe it's planned in some way, but I'm not very, like in terms of like my Bible teaching, I'm not very strong on eschatology. I'm just, I'll just be very honest with you. I don't really spend a lot of time on it and because it really doesn't interest me that much. And so I'm just being fair and honest. Um, and so my eschatology is weak. Uh, I'll, I admit that, but I don't think it's important. That's, that's, that's my take. Um, because what's important is the gospel must be preached to every people groups, and then the end will come. Right? And so I, I, I take a hold of, of Matthew, I take a hold of Mark, and that's what matters to me more than the signs and you know, all these things. And I've heard other teachers, they're excellent at those things, but he tells us very clearly, how can you be ready? Right? Not by storing up food and water and all this. I mean, that's not a bad idea. But how do you get ready? By being faithful to what God has asked you to do. 
in your profession, in your family, in your ministry? How do you be ready for His coming? Be faithful in what He's asked you to do. So, that begs the question for us this morning, what is God asking you to do? What is your task right now? Find out what it is and be faithful in doing it. As a, I know my task is as a husband, as a father, as a son, as a pastor, as a brother, right, as a child of God. That's my task. And I need to be faithful. And if I can do that, I am preparing for His coming. And there's a great reward waiting. Not that that's, that's my motivation. My motivation is simply to be faithful to God. So let the Holy Spirit speak to you. What is He called you to do? And are you being faithful to what He's asked? Let's pray. Let's sing, sorry. decided to follow Jesus I have decided to follow Jesus I have decided to follow Jesus no turning back no turning I've decided decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning before me the world behind me the cross before me the world behind me the cross before me the world behind me no turning back no turning I still will follow Though none go with me I still will follow Though none go with me I still will follow No turning back No turning back All I am and all I have to bring I will give to you my everything All I am and all I have to bring I will give to you my everything All I am and all I 
all I have to bring I will give to you my And I will follow My heart surrendered My Jesus, I am yours And I will follow My life in your hands My Jesus, I am yours And I will follow My heart surrendered My Jesus, I I am yours And I will follow My life in your hands My Jesus, I am yours My Jesus, I am yours My Jesus, I am yours for the Lord and let's just let's figure out what we're called to and let's be faithful in doing it let's pray say Lord speak to me show me God and help me to be faithful Lord help me to be faithful to the end Lord I want to be ready and let's pray Let's lift up our community, especially those that are battling through cancer. Let's pray for God's healing.
Let's pray for our community that are dealing with illness but also needs to meet with Jesus. And let's pray for physical healing. Let's pray for the word of salvation. Let's pray for those dealing with non-cancellar illnesses, and let's pray for God's healing. Let's pray for a community that's looking for work. Let's pray for open doors and God's provision. Let's pray for Hong Kong. Uh, let's just continue to pray over uh, the COVID situation in the city. I pray that the government would just make uh, wise uh, um, uh, solutions. Uh, let's continue to lift up the government. Pray for wisdom for them, the wisdom of God. Uh, pray against the wealth gap. Uh, let's just really uh, pray over um, our ministries here. Uh, pray for the churches. Pray for sports services, shanty, uh, YWAM, God Catering, S&D, Mother's Choice. Pray for the Korean church. Uh, students, domestic helpers, and families in distress. And let's lift up our city. Let's pray for our staff. Well, let's just ask the Holy Spirit to uh, uh, just uh, knit our hearts to Him and to one another. Uh, if we could especially pray for Tracy. Uh, Tracy uh, caught COVID. And so let's just ask God to heal her and just make sure the symptoms are not too bad. Well, let's lift up.
Let's pray for our education department. Let's pray for our leaders, our SP kids, SP youth, and SPU. Let's pray for our leaders, our volunteers, and and let's pray for our, our young people. Let's pray that they would be touched by God. Let's pray for our worship sound and AV teams. Let's pray for our worship leaders, our musicians, our singers. Let them really uh, lead our congregation into the presence of the Lord. Uh, Let's just pray for all our equipment that they would be uh, be used to uh, fulfill that purpose of just offering this beautiful worship to God. Let's pray for our our pregnant uh, uh, ladies. Let's pray for protection over their bodies, over their womb. Pray for the baby to grow healthy in the womb. Let's just lift them up and ask God's hand to be upon them. Let's lift up our house churches meeting tonight. Uh, Blue Pool, Fontana, Hopewell, uh, New Praia, OPR, Princeton, and Westside. Pray for our leaders. Pray for our hosts. Let's pray that as people come, that they would really uh, uh, digest the message uh, from Sunday and they would just really grow stronger in the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord. We love you. Um, God, I pray, Lord, that every member of this church, God, in this body, every one of us, Lord, that we would be ready, that we would get ourselves ready, Lord. You're going to come, Lord. It's going to come, and it's going to be a flash, Lord. It's going to happen so quickly, so suddenly. And, Lord, help us to be faithful to what you've called us to do. Thank you, Lord. We love you. God, would you continue to watch over us, Lord, and as Lent, God, the preparation for the cross, Lord, comes tomorrow. Lord, we pray that we prepare ourselves to really encounter you in that way. We thank you. We love you, Lord. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Amen. God bless you. Enjoy the rest of your prayer time. Tomorrow is the beginning of Lent, and so our house church leaders will start giving the devotions during this time. So I just want you to be prepared for that. Right? God bless.